We're going to continue our discussion on this day, May 18th. Uh, one of the witnesses to that event, uh, a person who has appeared on our program before, uh, we want to get his thoughts once again on this day, as well as an update on his views on the ongoing trial against Chen d u h a n David Dollinger joining us on the line. Hello. Hi. Good morning. So thank you for joining us. Uh, you appeared with us uh, in the past, and your interview was one of the, more, uh, the most memorable interviews we've had because uh, people really touched by the empathy and, and um, the emotion that you conveyed in terms of your thoughts on this event. Uh, just, I guess, as a kind of um, initial question, how have you been doing um, since the time we've spoken? <laughs> well, we're all dealing with uh, the pandemic. Yeah. And because of my... career, actually, I was dealing with it quite a bit because I'm a scientist and I make um, tests that diagnose infectious diseases. I was actually very busy uh, and also working with eight different low and middle income countries to help put their response in place for, for COVID. Yeah, I think it'd be great to be able to uh, get you back on for an interview in regards to COVID-19. That would would actually uh, be a pretty um, fascinating interview. Today is May 18th, though, and I I wonder if um, the day still, I mean, even all these years, 41 years after uh, that fateful day, does this day still hold um, resonance to you personally? Um, Actually, the entire time. Yeah. So in a lot of ways, for me, it all started on this, you know, Friday the 16th when I witnessed the candlelight march to the provincial offices and then carried through really until the Peace Corps removed me from Gwangju on the 28th. And so the entire time is, is it's, it's a time that I spend a lot of time thinking back and reflecting on the people I met, mm. the people I lost. Um, and in some ways, I actually try to check and make sure that I'm living my life in a manner that, that they would appreciate. Because you had, you you know, I witnessed people that were willing to die for what they believed in. And that's what I've taken with me, and that's the way I've tried to approach, you know, in a lot of ways, my entire life, my entire career, is that I've got to be willing to put it out there. I have to be willing to try to change things and, you know, never be the silent one. Always make my voice heard. I think people in Korea really appreciate how um, there are people out there outside of Korea who, who do still feel um, there are still some unanswered questions that must be addressed, that there is still some sense of justice that has to be served. And I'm wondering if you have also been able to follow some of the events, some of the recent testimony that has come out about uh, acknowledgement, about uh, military guns being fired uh, from the the rooftops, um, Mm -hmm. some uh, clarification also with sort of the uh, smearing of these protesters as being North Korean spies, uh, that obviously uh, not being true. Are are we, in, in your view, I mean... The emotions and the the sadness is still there, but do you think we are getting closer and closer to finally getting to the truth of all of this? My fear is that we've taken too long. Too many people have died in the intervening time, Mm. and they all had a story to tell. And, you know, every day we're losing people that were part of that, that history in Guangzhou. But we also have to look at the bigger picture also. Um, you know, history is not just single events. 
history is an entire, you know, timeline. And the one thing that, you know, I've not seen anyone really start to touch upon was sort of the connection between the uh, Sabu coal miners uprising in April, which was, from what I know, put down by the, uh, I guess it was the 11th Brigade, as well as Kwangju, which was the 11th Brigade. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a connection in, in sort of that historical timeline that needs to truly be investigated. And, you know, in a lot of ways, being an American, I feel that either we, as a country, were very ignorant of what was happening in Korea or just turned a blind eye. Right. Because we saw what had happened in April. And to think that it wouldn't happen again, to think that, you know, Chun was not going to do anything to try to totally solidify his power base Hmm. this seems to be a little naive in the thought process so i think we you know we we're taking very tiny steps i think it's time we need to start to take gigantic leaps yeah and part of me wants wants to see really you know if you look at that entire time a lot of people benefited from the uh chun regime i would say the to me the alternative to go forward would be, let's go back, trace the money, take the money, use that money to actually start to collect the stories of everyone that was there. Speaking of John, that way we can start to, we can start to pull things together. The tracking the money is certainly uh, one aspect of it. There is also this sense that um, he does need to be prosecuted for certain things. Uh, Right now, as you know, there is this defamation trial ongoing uh, with mm-hmm. Chun basically um, referring to the late priest Cho Pius as a, a shameless liar. Um, I, I, we know that there have been uh, many aspects of testimony. Uh, you have had your say on this as well. The subsequent evidence coming out seems to now put to, um, to, put to rest any question about the idea of attacks from helicopters. Uh, how, how do you kind of perceive Chun's attitude right now throughout this whole trial process? I think he still feels that he's untouchable. And the best way to to change that is let's, you know, the citizens of, of Korea need to stand up and have him held accountable. Uh, and this has gone on way too long. You know, we, I hate to say it, we look at it from the Western world and, and really wonder what's going on, that someone can can get away with this, hmm. can make claims that he has dementia and that, you know, while he's out, even though he's out playing golf, um, you know, people need to always be held accountable. And this is, this is the time because some of the closure that people will really need is for him to be held fully accountable for what occurred. In terms of being held accountable, there are, uh, you might have heard the story about the former uh, soldier uh, from mm-hmm. the military at the time. He uh, admitted to uh, shooting innocent civilians. He met with bereaved family members, uh, basically apologizing for his acts. He received forgiveness uh, from those family members. So it was a, a small sense of, yes, an apology it doesn't necessarily kind of make up for the, the atrocities you committed, but uh, the the idea of having that forgiveness being given, the healing of those 
wounds. We see similar things take place in the U.S. right now, right, with with the um, very troubled uh, racial history that the U.S. has Mm -hmm. suffered from and and the Black Lives Matter movement, regardless of where where you stand on that issue. But do you feel that healing process is something that still can take place 41 years from now? Oh, it has to. I mean, this is a a process that I think Korea needs to address again very quickly because it actually has been 41 years. Hmm. And I think you look at those people that are still alive, that survived 518, they deserve some closure. You know, and at this point in time, they really have not had that. Yeah. You know, we don't have the full truth out. They have, they know what they did. They know what they observed. They know what they saw. You have had very little from the military uh, coming forward. Mm. And, and part of this, to have closure, is not the fact that, you know, I want to lock everyone up. Right. It's, let's get the truth out there. You know, I can forgive people. That's, that's, that's actually easy. I think what's hard is actually admitting that you did wrong. And that's where we really haven't tried to to force this to occur. And, you know, you have to look at the the paratrooper that, that, you know, went and confessed in essence and and asked for forgiveness. You have to look on him as being a very brave person because that's not something easy to do. This is uh, one of those uh, situations where... uh, It's a dynamic, fluid situation. As you say, very rightly, uh, 41 years means the clock is ticking. And so there's not a lot of time left for these surviving uh, members uh, to get that closure, that sense of justice. And we definitely thank you for uh, joining us here on this day once again. And hopefully we can have you back again Sir, uh, we can talk about these issues, but we can also talk about some of the important work that you've been doing on the COVID-19 front. But nonetheless, uh, David Dollinger, we always appreciate your time. Uh, We wish you the best of luck, and we hope you stay in good health. All right. Thank you very much. That was David Dollinger, uh, a witness to the May 18th Gwangju Democratic Movement, joining us on this special day. We are going to continue our coverage of the May 18th Movement in the second hour as well, uh, more special interviews lined up, as well as an update in Myanmar and how there are links there. Stay tuned.